Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Good morning, church. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you doing all right, church? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thanks for keeping my mic up. My voice is pretty sharp, but praise God for that. How did Jesus do it? 5,000 men plus women plus children day after day. How the heck did he do it? Praise the name of the Lord. There are many things in life that, by the way, hello everyone, welcome. There are many things in life <laughs> that close enough is good enough. But there are some things in life that close enough is simply not good enough. There are some things in life that close enough is just as far off as the furthest distance from. Please, you're going to have to really listen in deep today. What I'm going to share to you is the most simple thing, but it's the most profound thing. Close enough is not always good enough. Some of the engineering thing, close enough is not, it's, precision makes a difference between a building standing and a building falling. Close enough is not good enough. I'm not talking about human perfection and striving. I'm just talking about a law of God, a principle of God. I'm talking about the truth. Can I preach the truth today? Can I preach the truth today? Close enough is not good enough. The Lord showed me a picture in worship of one of the old levels with the bubble in the middle. Everyone know what I'm talking about? You, you can see it move and you can see it close enough. And for some of us in this room, maybe your mentality, and to be honest in that sort of thing, this would be my mentality, close enough is good enough. And then if you start to build everything from a place that is not quite accurate, the whole thing is unstable. But here's the problem. It doesn't look unstable until it's too late. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then you get the earthquake. Then you get the strong winds. And the close enough ends up not being good enough, but it looked like I could still see the bubble. And then, then the Lord showed me another picture, and this is just all in worship. <clears throat> he showed me another picture of someone being, feeling like they're being chained down to a fixed position and then I saw tumbleweed blowing all around, blowing here and there. And the Lord said that which you think is a chain to hold you in position is actually an anchor to keep you from blowing away. Many people are seeing an anchor as a chain. Anchors are to hold us firm. So we're not blowing like tumbleweed. 
which is what the state of the world is today. People being blowed this way and that way, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every teaching. And today, by the Spirit of God, we're going to very boldly, clearly, and very directly preach the Word, and we're going to talk about a return to God's Word. A return to God's Word. And everything I have just said applies to God's Word. Close enough is not good enough. The bubble being somewhere in there will not be sufficient in our lives. The world does not need a church that is close enough to the Word of God. The world does not need an encounter with the church that on 99% of things we believe, but on some other things we question the authority of God's Word. Close enough is not good enough. I'm talking a return to God's Word. And I heard the Lord say to me this morning, the answer is in God's Word. The answer is in God's Word. Whatever situation comes to your mind right now, the answer is in God's Word. You might say, no, no, no. The thing that I need an answer on, that does, the Bible doesn't actually specifically talk about it. Read my lips. The answer is in God's Word. If you're not seeing the answer, it's because you're looking through natural eyes, not spiritual eyes. It might not talk about your issue, but I tell you right now, first of all, the answer is in God's Word because the answer is Jesus Christ. In your situation, the answer is Jesus Christ. You might say, that doesn't help me resolve. That's the right starting point. That's the right anchor right there. You need an anchor. You need an anchor before you need an answer. You need an anchor before you need an answer. It's no good if I've been blown off course and on miles down the track, and then I get my answer. That's no good. Your situation, you don't need an answer if you're far from the anchor. Because then your hope is in your answer, not the anchor. And God is bringing the people back to the anchor. And the anchor is the answer is in God's word because the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. What's the way to the Father? The answer is Jesus Christ. What's the answer to the trouble in the world? The answer is Jesus Christ. What's the answer to my troubled mind? The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is in God's Word. Jesus is in God's Word. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament is all about Jesus. The Bible is about God. God's Word is about God. And the answer is in God's Word. 
But on those other things, even when you are anchored to God, then the, the, there are principles, and I don't want to reduce it to a natural thing, but there are, let's go truth, not principles. <laughs> Lord is just saying to me right now, some of us are focused far too much on principles and not enough on truth. Scriptures are not principles to live by, they're truth to live by. The truth, it's truth. No, the truth doesn't say no, the principle and the principle will set you free. Come on, and, and those in school, I'm not talking about principle with an AL, okay? I'm talking an Ali. Not a person called Ali, just by the way, don't distract me, I'm trying to preach here. What am I saying? Principle, it says no, the truth. Not the principle, the, the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth is who God is and what God says, full stop. End of discussion. Yeah, but, no, no, get rid of your butts. No one likes your big butts. We need to get rid of the butts. No, the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth is who God is. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says Jesus. I am the truth, and everything I speak, truly, I tell you. I tell you the truth. Jesus Christ speaks the truth. It's a time to return to God's word and the answer is in God's word and there is truth that applies to your situation but we've got to look through the lens of father speak to me what I need to hear from you when we don't find the truth is because we're often wanting to hear what we want to hear not what God wants to say the issue is not God speaking, it's that we want to hear something that backs us up, that affirms us, that, that justifies us. The purpose of God's word is not to justify us, it's to sanctify us, it's to transform us. I just want to call the church back to God's word today. A return to God's Word. We're going to go to Psalm 119. I tell you right now, if you want a chapter on God's Word, read Psalm 119 or 176 verses of it. And I tell you right now, it is powerful. You good today? Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> This is what we need to get back to. This is what we need to get back to, church. This is what we need to get back to. A return to God's word. Psalm 119, verse 1. And we're going to read down. We're going to meditate our way down to verse 7. Then I'm going to make a few statements. And then we're going to respond. Because the Lord said to me, a return to God's word requires a response to God's word. But we're going to start with Psalm 119. And I just pray you listen in your spirit today, not with your natural ears alone. Someone say, I got this, I got this, I got this. I want to tell you all of us have got a ways to go in this. If we think we've got this, it's proof that we don't. I uh, just call it as it is. I'm in worship going, man, God, I need to return to the authority of God's word more because I know there's still some things I wrestle with. We all do. Don't, don't, don't think. 
none of us have arrived. Let's get over this pedestal preaching culture that has pervaded the church in the last few decades that God is putting his finger on and changing and he's returning to people that are just filled with the spirit filled with the word of God people that are so passionate like your pastors that just love on God and people that are returning to God's word I'm being returned to God's word this morning I'm preaching with you I'm preaching at myself I want you to receive God's word but let's go to Psalm 119 And let's start at verse 1. Blessed. Everyone say blessed. Okay, everyone say blessed. You'll have to excuse me for drinking a little bit here this morning. I pray you can hear the word through my croaky voice. But blessed. Say it again. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. God, how the heck can I be blameless? How can I? This is it's not about being perfect. It's being blameless without blame. How do I do that? Simple. Walk according to the law of the Lord. We can't not walk according to the law and be blameless. Walking according to the... There are a lot of people that think in the days that we live in, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I can just, I'm just going to repeat God's word to you constantly this morning. I don't want you to get my opinion. I want you to get God's word. You are blessed if you're blameless. You're blameless if you walk according to the law of the Lord. And I want to declare something that the Spirit spoke to me this morning. The law of the Lord is a higher authority than the law of the land. I'm not inciting rising up against the government. If you get that from me, slap yourself silly because you're off track. The Bible says submit to every authority. Come on, it says pray for those in authority. There are too many Christians complaining against this government and not praying for it. If you're complaining and not praying, you are in sin. Don't come up and complain to me if you're not praying. Because you're perpetuating the problem, you're not stepping into the answer and the solution. Yeah, but they're this, yeah, and you this, and you this, and I this, and we all miss the mark. Come on. Saul was a terrorist, and Stephen prayed for him, and he had an encounter with God and became the great apostle Paul. And I'm as guilty as you. I've complained about this government. I'm preaching to myself. We've got to stop complaining and start praying. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who do all sorts of evil. Pray for them and do them good. It's time for the church to pray. I'm not inciting rise up against the government. I'm saying pray for the government. Pray for them. But when there is a law that is contrary to God's law, we do not have to submit. God's law is greater than man's law when man's law violates God's law. Is anyone in the house hearing me today? We do not form our convictions by what the legislation says, but what the Word of God says. And it's time for the church to be anchored in God's Word. You can't be anchored in what you don't know, just by the way. Blessed. 
Everyone say blessed. Blessed Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are those. Everyone say blessed. Come on, who wants to be blessed? Come on. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. So important. Blessed are those who keep. Not who know, who keep. These are days where we pride ourselves on what we know of God's Word. It's over. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. We cannot separate God's Word from God. Every line of the Word of God is put together in a way that there is deeper truth than we see on the surface. It says you're blessed if you keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. Because there are some like the scribes and Pharisees in Jesus' days that kept His statutes better than you or I have ever kept the statutes. But they didn't seek Him with all their heart. You can't have one without the other in the eyes of God. He even addressed it in John 5, 39 and 40, where Jesus said to the religious leaders, You study the Scriptures diligently because in them you think you find eternal life. That if you obey everything it says, you're good with God. But these are the very Scriptures that testify about me, says Jesus. But you refuse to come to me to get eternal life. The purpose of God's Word is not just to give us statutes to obey. It's to connect us to the God who we are called to seek with all our heart. It's about a relationship with God. But I tell you right now, many are wanting a relationship with God, but not wanting to obey the statutes, keep the statutes of God. It doesn't work. It's not legalism. It's freedom. It's truth. But I don't like that. I don't want to be controlled. No, no, no. Hmm. I just want to expose as many lies of the devil in this short time together. This thing, I don't want to be controlled. The Bible's there about controlling is one of the greatest lies of the enemy. And I'm calling it as it is. It is a lie from the enemy. Look at the fruit of the life that believes that. The fruit of the life that says I don't want to be controlled is a fruit of brokenness. It's a fruit of um, self-righteousness is the fruit of judgment. It's the fruit of addiction. That's the fruit of the life that says I will not be controlled. It's devastation. It's destruction. But I don't want to be controlled. It's not control. It's protection. You've heard me say this before. If you've been here for a while, it's like a loving mother that goes to cook the meal and turns on the oven and says to the kids that she loves, don't touch the oven. She's not trying to control them. She's trying to protect them from being burnt. Everything in God's Word is to protect God's children, not to control them. It's not to make us perfect. It's to keep us free. Verse 2, 
Reading that again, blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Verse 3, they, who? <laughs> the ones who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Huh. It's, it's isn't interesting if I could display some of your thoughts right now on the screen. Some of you are going, God, please no. <laughs> I could have a lot of fun with you right now. I could say I'm a prophet. I know what you're thinking anyway. So they do know it's wrong. It's amazing what people receive when you read the truth. Some of us focus on, so this is all they do no wrong, but I still do wrong. That means I'm... We go to a, a, a negative focus and filter rather than but follow his ways. God, teach me to follow your ways. Why, why do we not go to that part rather than moan about the other part or say, I'll never get there? Come on, you and I, this side of eternity, are going to have times where we stumble and fall. But Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24 in the New King James, it says this. Um, um, what does it say? It says, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, and he, God, delights in that person even though they fall. God delights in that person even though they fall, and they will not. He upholds them with his hand. They will not be cast down. I, I, we need to understand on this journey we will make mistakes. We will trip up. We will have moments of sin. Anyone in the room with me right now? But let's not make that a reason or excuse or focus that that's just what we all do. Let's make a covenant commitment. God, I want to follow your ways. It, it really is about a heart posture and pursuit, isn't it? It's not about legalism and self-righteousness or I'm better than others or I'm worse than others. It's not about perfection, but it is about a pursuit. God, teach me to follow your ways, not just to know your ways. I want to follow your ways. Why? Because that's who's blessed. That's who is blessed. Come on, let's focus on the right thing in what I'm teaching today. If you get perfection, uh, focus on perfection, I... I don't get what I'm not saying. Get what I'm saying. We, we've got to be anchored to God's word in the world that we live in, church. And it's time to return to God's word. Because the answer is in God's word. You, Verse 4, you have laid down precepts, principles, truths that are to be fully obeyed. Ah. Uh, I know I'm, the writer of this psalm, the writer of many psalms, oh God, help me, please help me right now. You can read each line, almost say he's just repeating it in different words. And I would say, uh-huh. Because that's what we need over and over and over and over again. We live in a world that is so, the world, oh God, help me say the right thing here. The world is doing a much better job of communicating repetitively 
that which is against God's Word, then we are doing for ourselves by washing by the water of the renewal of our minds by God's Word, meditating day and night. It's time for us to get better at the Word of God being the centrality of our lives and the thing that actually forms our convictions. We've got to start turning some of the trash off and start to saturate ourselves. Can I say by the Spirit of God, not one of us in this room does not have enough time to spend extensive time in God's Word. You do not not have enough time. That itself is a lie from the pit of hell. It, this is not legalism. This is freedom. But it's also, it's, but it's also not just about our freedom. It's about the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. It comes from God's Word. And the people of God having a covenant commitment, commitment and conviction that God's Word is the truth. I will anchor myself to it. I will saturate and I will live according to your law. And I won't just know it, but I will follow it and I will keep it. These are days, says the Lord, to follow and to keep my word, not just to quote it and to fight against a brother with it. It's to follow it. Verse 5, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. We don't need Christians that obey for a moment or a season. We need believers. I want to be a believer, Joel, who is steadfast, unmovable, and following the decrees, the laws, the ways of God. Anyone else in this room? How many people know even from what I'm sharing so far, I probably need to come a little bit closer to that. I need to come a little bit closer. I need you to see something here. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Then I will not be put to shame. How many people don't want to be put to shame? How many people don't want to be put to shame? Come on, church. Engage with me. We don't want to be put to shame. Okay, then the answer, I will not be put to shame when I consider your commands. The Spirit of the Lord would say to you, stop considering other things. We need to consider your commands. We live in a time where it's almost part of the saying is keep your options open. That's called death. That's called slavery. That's called bondage, keeping your options open. That's like getting married and saying, keep your options open. That's not a good way to have a healthy marriage. Please hear the word of the Lord. Get rid of keep your options open when it comes to truth. 
Truth is not subjective. Truth is not up to you. Truth is not up to me. God's Word is truth, full stop. If you, if you disagree with me, that's okay. You can be wrong if you want. It's not a difference of opinion. You're just simply wrong. We don't want people talking like that these days because that's a little bit, you know, it's all, come on, come together. Kumbaya. No. That's why we're in the state we are around the world because people are not anchored to God's word. If it's convenient, I'll anchor myself. But the moment God seems to let me down, then maybe, maybe, maybe there's a different interpretation of what that scripture means. If you're uncomfortable this morning, I praise God. Land in the right place. Land in the right place. Don't let your uncomfortableness by the word or even by me make you step back because you're perpetuating the lie that the world needs the church to embrace the truth. See, the world, the world is preaching through a loud voice. We need the church to embrace our truth. No, the world needs the church to embrace God's truth, but they don't know it. And we are letting the world's voice be stronger than God's voice. A return to God's word. Full stop. Verse 7. I will praise you. With an upright heart, as I learn your righteous laws, I will praise you. How many people enjoying the praise and the worship? I, I love it. But I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous, your righteous, your righteous laws. Don't get hung up on the word law. Jesus himself says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He is the fulfillment of the law, not the abolishment of the law. The law is not wrong. It is a, it is a, a ruler to bring us back to the God who is freedom. Here's the truth. Many of us in the church, in the body of Christ, and even in this room, are allowing the world to define what we believe even about the words like laws, commands, decrees, precepts. They are religious and legalistic. Know their truth. Their truth. Their truth. The truth. There is freedom in the truth. Can I say there's freedom in the, in the commandments? Anyone believe me? I want you to preach with me. Uh, there is freedom in the commandments. It's not about commandments anymore, Steve. It's about grace. Tell me which one of the Ten Commandments no longer applies. Have no other gods before me. That doesn't apply now. It's all under Jesus. Do not murder. Doesn't apply anymore. We're under Jesus. Can you see how stupid the, the logic is? 
Jesus, the eternal Son, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Grace is not grace if it's not full of truth. That ain't grace. That's, that's, that's license. And truth is not truth if it's not full of grace. That's legalism. But fullness of grace and fullness of truth is liberty, freedom. This world does not need an encounter with more grace. And this, counter, this world does not need an encounter with more truth. As in full stop, full stop. It needs a, a greater encounter with the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. And that's only in God's word. We don't help anybody when we appease and back up wrong thinking wrong living it is not loving to come into agreement with a man who thinks they are a woman and that is not called loving if you embrace it it's called perpetuating a lie and 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 just destroying someone's life we are not loving by coming into agreement with a lie that is destroying it's wrong In the beginning, God created the male and female, and He hasn't changed His pattern. You have a gorgeous little son. That's what you have. Blind Freddy knows it's a son. It's not enlightenment to say, no, you can't call a son. They can can choose their own thing later. That's not enlightenment. It's stupidity. The world's gone crazy. You can't even call it facts. Well, I'm not calling it facts. I'm calling it truth. God created them. God created them. God created marriage between a man and a woman. That's God's design. That's God's pattern. And it hasn't changed. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. Look at the rise of all the the corruption and rubbish and destitution that comes with embracing the lie. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, when they wanted to stone her, because that's what the law said to do. He came and says, "I, I don't condemn you. What's that? That's mercy. But go and sin no more. What's that? That's truth. This is sin. We live in a time where they say, extend mercy, but don't say it's wrong. That's not Bible. I'm sorry. You won't get it out of my mouth. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Why? I'm not trying to make you good. I'm actually trying to help you to be free. very quiet in church this morning. It's called stunned into silence. All right. You with me? Anyone in the church with me? A return to God's word. Say it with me. Now say, I will return to God's word. Say it again. I will return 
to God's word. Say it again. I will return to God's word. I want to say the next thing I want to say is God's word is perfect. God's word is perfect. God's word is perfect. James 1, verse 22 to 25. James 1, so does Jesus. James 1, 22 to 25. God's word is perfect. Say it again. We've got to stop debating what God has decreed. Some people are priding themselves on their, de- their power to debate God's word. That's not something to be proud of. It's something to be ashamed of. We don't need to debate it like it's right or wrong. We need to embrace it. The problem, the problem at the moment is people debating what they should embrace. The problem is people debating what they should embrace. Conversely, the problem is many are embracing what they should reject. Well, we've got no choice. This is the times we live in. No, 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 no. God is on the throne. We're going to stand and give an answer to him. Not to the local government. Come on. I'm not talking about rising up, but I am talking about standing on truth. You might say, but we get ourselves in trouble. If you, it, it, we've got our heads in the ground if we think that we're not coming into days where some of us in this room might end up in prison. How many people are glad they came to church this morning? You point your finger at me. I, my wife and I have talked about this, and I'm being serious with you. the boldness and directness that we speak with. We've talked about this. And my wife said to me, her one thing, I said, would you visit me in prison? <laughs> I'll tell you, and I'm talking a serious conversation. She said, you, if, you, if you end up going to prison, you better not waste that time. You better be shining your light. You better be shining your light like Paul did in prison. You need to be one who says, I'm here on kingdom assignment. If your goal is to avoid imprisonment, you'll probably keep other people in spiritual imprisonment. If our goal is keeping away from trouble, we're perpetuating, perpetuating other people's trouble. We, we live in different times. This is a different message. But where we are is nothing compared to where Jesus and the earlier disciples and apostles. We say it's never been this bad. Seriously, it's been way worse. You read Hebrews 11, the people that live by faith and die by faith, and then you got all the ones that you know, and then it goes down to the ones you don't know, and these people were stoned and sword in half, and they were... but I don't want someone to say something bad about me. Seriously. It's like talking to someone with their arm hanging off saying, I don't want to get a paper cut. This is not about welcoming trouble, but let's change our priorities. 
The priority is it's time to return to God's word. Not to be politically correct, to be safe, to be secure, to fly on the radar. And it is definitely not the time to not upset anyone. God's word is perfect. I'm just going to get bold. I feel like I'm just going to get bold. I'm going to get bold. The response to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was not, man, we love that. That was such good teaching. Man, how charismatic is it? The, the only comment was, man, he is not like our religious leaders. He speaks with such authority and such boldness. Where are the Christians that will speak with boldness and authority, not just in here, but out there? But you better speak the truth in love. And in love is not in weakness, it's in truth. Don't confuse love being with weakness rather than with truth. God's Word is perfect. James 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves if you really meditate on God's word slowly you don't need to preach you just need to listen to what it says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself the world is full the church is full of Christians that say yeah I know what the Bible says But the next part, do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here's the truth. If you know what the word says, but you're not doing it, you're deceived. Full stop. You might say, no, I'm not. Okay, you, there's another option, rebellion. <laughs> Take your pick. I don't care. You're either deceived or in rebellion. That's it. You've got an enemy, pray for them. I'm not doing that. Then you're in rebellion or deception. Forgive those. No, I can't do that. Rebellion, deception. I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to me. Don't look at me like that. I'm speaking to me. But I'm also speaking to you. I'm actually speaking to the body of Christ right now. I'm speaking to the church right now. Do not merely listen to the word. I know what it says. And so deceive yourself. Do what it says. I love the simplicity of directness. Well, what do you actually mean, James? I'll tell you what I mean. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. But what does it mean in the Greek? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. But James, in this situation, it can't mean that. What does it mean in this situation? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In the words of the prophet Nike, just do it. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever 
looks intently. Everyone say intently. Some people think I'm a little intent, intense. I have no idea why. I wonder if we need some more full-on Christians. People look at me and go, man, you are pretty radical. I am still subnormal. I, I say that with all honesty. I read the Acts of the Apostles. I, I see the fact that Jesus, everyone he prayed for, got healed and he raised the dead. I, I see these people with their shadows just heal people and they took authority over the demons and they always came out. I saw 3,000 people get added to the church when they preached. I ain't there. I have no idea what it would be like if I was imprisoned or beaten or chained or about to be executed for my faith. I, I don't know where I'd stand. I pray that I stand in the right place, but I'm saying I'm not radical, fanatical. I'm, I'm just trying to head towards normal. I'm trying to head towards normal Christianity. And that's what I'm calling us today. Back to God's word. But he says that whoever looks intently into the, I want you to get this. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom. I just want you to get some revelation right now. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom. Come on, I pray that there's a bit of a wave of revelation. Whoever looks into the perfect law, see the world and even in our own minds, we go, the perfect law, see it's all about legalism. No, the perfect law, that brings freedom. The perfect law, that gives freedom. (laughs) The perfect law, that gives freedom. You don't have to earn it. It just gives freedom. Are you getting the simplicity? Whoever looks into the, intently into the perfect law, the perfect law, perfect law, come on, it's perfect. It gives freedom and continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but Doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I want to encourage you just to meditate on that this week. James 1, 22 to 25. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I'm talking about God's word is perfect. Don't listen. Some of us, too many in the body of Christ, who love the apologetic side of things and the other things where you've got people who we celebrate because they're almost like they're, they're, they're almost on the fringe thinkers and they go deep and they come from different angles. I'm just going to say it as it is, and I want you to listen to me. If what you are listening to, and I'm talking about people who talk about the Word of God, if what you are listening to makes you start to question the validity of the truth and the perfection of God's word, then for God's sake, turn it off. Anything that puts you into confusion about God's word, turn it off. 
But they're great people. There's great reviews. What's the fruit in your life? By the fruit you shall know them. Not by their eloquence. Come on. There are too many people. I'm, I'm hearing more and more people talk about this person, that person. And then it goes into, well, it doesn't really mean this and that. And we need to understand the context more. And that's that they, they, they're talking people out of why the word is really not perfect, that it's flawed, and we've got to be better at understanding it. No, we've got to be better at embracing it, living it, and standing on it. If it's putting you into confusion, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. But I love the way they talk. Look at the fruit, because here's the deal. If the fruit of that is causing you to be in confusion, then all those that God has appointed you to walk with, it is flowing confusion from you into them. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for those that you're setting up into confusion with your vain arguments. I'm done with believers debating God's word. Arguing if it, come on, it's time to return to God's word. I'm thinking that at the end of this message, I might put my hand up to get born again. God's word is precious, sorry, uh, is perfect. Everyone say God's word is perfect. The next thing, God's word is priceless. Say it with me. God's word is priceless. Say it again. Psalm 119. Come on. Here's your homework, people. Don't give me your homework. You do your homework, for goodness sake. This week, every one of you, I charge you to spend some time. I just felt the Holy Ghost say, spend an hour. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can watch a movie for hours and it's probably trash. Why are you standing in front of me when you say that? Why are you feeling guilty? Take an hour and sit and slowly saying, God, speak to me slowly, out loud. Read through Psalm 119. I, I challenge you to do it. Psalm 119. If you're not sure where it is, it's in Psalms. Right after Psalm 118, right before Psalm 120. It's 176 verses. I don't do that many in a year. Well, maybe that's part of our problem. God's word is priceless. Say it one more time. God's word is priceless. Psalm 119 verse 72. The law from your mouth. The law from your mouth. Whose mouth? God's mouth. The law from God's mouth. Be careful which law you're anchoring your life on. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Don't you just love how beautiful and clear it is? It's more precious. I, I, I think everyone in this room would read this and go, that's wonderful, yes, yes, yes. But the fruit is in 
where I want to land and just go to as we head towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. A return to God's word requires a response to God's word. So here I have two questions. Here's the first one. How much of God's word do you know? Don't kick back and say, now he's getting legalistic. I'm setting you up for freedom. If you get condemnation, and I'm just going to say it clearly, it's not from me. It's not from me. It's from a devil who says, okay, they're hearing the truth so clearly today. There's like nowhere to hide. So maybe if I can make them think this is legalistic, they'll step back from it. If you think it's legalistic and you step back, you're just brought into the lie of the devil. If, if, you, if you're thinking, well, that's, I, I'm not sure I'm that sort of radical, fanatical, that, that is, that's not really me. I'm, I'm a Christian, but that's not really me. You're believing a lie from the devil. I want to come and say to you and I today that a return to God's word requires even demands a response to God's word. The first question, how much of God's word do you know? I think one of the greatest tragedies of modern Christianity is anemic, spiritually anemic Christians who don't know God's word. I've said it before, probably here, but nowhere in the Bible does it say read the Bible. It does say meditate on God's word. And it does say memorize God's word. No, it doesn't say Psalm 119 verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The time when you need God's word is normally an inconvenient time for you to look at God's word. Therefore, it's too late. When the devil comes against me, I'll go to God's word. You think he comes at a convenient time when you're sitting back and you've got hours to spare and you can go and you can do your concordance thing and Google thing and all that nonsense. No, no, come on, listen, listen, listen. When you need it, it's too late to get it. I've got to hide it in my heart, then I won't sin against you. Jesus himself was in the temple at the age of 12, memorizing the Torah, hiding it in his heart. We fast forward to the age of 30. He's in the wilderness and the devil's coming against him with temptation. And he resisted it by saying, I know it is written. Why? Because I hid it in my heart. And then the Holy Spirit brought back to his memory what he stored up in his heart. I never forget the day the Lord said to me, Steve, I will only bring back to your memory what you store up in your heart. Don't ask me in that moment, what, what does it say? No, no, no. Hide it in your heart so that you will not sin against him. 
We need to understand not only the words on the page of what the Word says, but the heart and the intention of God behind the words. It's not about reciting words. It's about knowing the Word and knowing the heart of the Word. Because the devil himself, in his temptation against Jesus, quoted the Scripture to Jesus. Proves the point that knowing what the Word says doesn't make you like God. It could actually make you just like the devil. (laughs) Priding ourselves on knowing what the Word says is folly. Saying, I believe God, I believe that God exists, that's wonderful. So does Satan. Satan believes God exists. He's come up against him a few times, and he's been defeated. This is not about knowing as in, I can give you the verses. How much of it do you have come into this knowing, come into this living relationship with God's Word? After how much of God's Word do you know is this, how much of God's Word do you obey? How many people are running out of places to hide this morning? (laughs) How much of God's word do you obey? Hmm. It's interesting. The question he told me to ask was not how much of God's word do you debate. It's how much of God's word do you obey? Psalm 119, oh, there's a beautiful chapter. You'll get this this week when you meditate for an hour on it, so... Don't worry, you'll you'll come back to it. Psalm 119, verse 106. Interesting, it's just after 105, which is, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, is I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. It's time to make a covenant. Not control, but come on. If two walk together and one falls down, if they walk by themselves, it's terrible. If, if someone falls down, you help them up. You don't throw stones, you help them up, you keep on walking. Come on. Come on. Two are better than one. One can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. The body fitly joined together. We went there last night. This is time to, hey, let's have each other accountable. What would happen if when we're catching up with people, the first thing we ask is not, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? How's the family? How's the weather? But hey, what's God saying to you at the moment in the Word? I speak into a lot of people's lives, and one of my questions is, "What's God saying to you?" I don't want to just tell them what God's saying to me. I want, come, what's God saying to you? The, if we're in the Word and we're in relationship with God, God should be speaking. And do you know what happens when you start to share what God's saying to you and what God's showing you? Do you know what happens in them? Faith starts to rise. You start to, maybe you bring perspective to something they're struggling with. Maybe they were reading the same thing this week, the same week, and they go, God's talking to you and God's talking to me. Can you see this? Where this can go is glorious. But we talk about the trivial all the time or the problem. Let's, let's, let's ask each other, what's God, what are you reading? What's God speaking to you in the Word? 
Let's make a covenant commitment to obey it. It's time to return to God's word as our foundation. So three questions as I close. And then we're just going to take a holy moment and respond to the Lord, okay? Three questions. Number one, what does your time in God's word look like? What does your time in God's word look like? Uh, again, I'm just being really transparent, Brett. Uh, I was, even as I was meditating on this during the worship and enjoying the Lord's presence, but God was just speaking to me further for what I'm bringing to you right now. I just felt the love of God just draw me, say, you know, because I go through challenges like you go through challenges. We're going through ones at the moment. What do we do with this? Big decisions and major family challenges. We all go through it. And I'm trying to find the answer and solution. And I was reminded afresh, probably the greatest thing I can do is just sit for another hour in God's word. Just And, and I'll tell you how I do it, just if it's helpful to you, because some people struggle with the reading part or some people get distracted with this and that. This is just where I'm at at the moment. This, this is not to prescribe to you. It's just to tell you what works for me. Is that cool? If, if it helps at all. As, as, as I... I use my iPad and that's largely because of my eye problem and things like that. But I, I've got the Version Bible and what I wanted to just lean into or go through is I put it on my Bible. I hit the play for the audio, but I read it. I read it with my eyes. Half the time I speak it out of my mouth and I'm listening to it with my ears because I realize the, the more my senses are involved, the more I, I'm, the less I'm going to get distracted, the more I'm stepping into it. And I will do that. And then whenever God speaks to me, whenever, and you go, how does He speak to you? You know when you read something and something just grabs you? That's God speaking. That's when you pause. Don't rush on. I just got to finish. The purpose is never to finish reading the Bible. It's for God to connect with you and you connect with him every year i've got a i've got a um a, on my ipad i've got a journal and my journals end up hundreds of pages every year but the uh, but it's not just me thinking it's whenever i'm i'm listening to something and i'll tell you right now i'm right now going through the book of numbers which when i got to the start thought i might go across to the next book and the lord spoke to me and says it's in my word then there's things for you to see in them and I've got more out of the book of Numbers than I have out of many other things. That I'll go, simply, wow, revelation. And this is what I do. I, I'm listening to it. I'm reading it. Sometimes I'm speaking it. And as I go through and something leaps off the page and just grabs my attention, I hit pause. I copy it. I go to my journal, I paste it, and then I say, God, what are you saying? And I just start to type what I feel. I have a conversation through my fingers with the Lord on what He's saying. You don't have to do that. But I'm just telling you this creative ways. Because otherwise, if you just read it, you can read it and think about this and that. No, no, no. Engage yourself to the point that you at least minimize distractions. And if some days it doesn't work, don't beat yourself up. Come back the next day. I don't want to put any burdens on you. But don't say it hasn't worked, so it can't work. Yes, it can. And don't say I can't memorize it. In the natural, I have got one of the worst memories that I know, my wife's not in here. I do remember her. She is just wonderful. But um, 
but if I read any other book, I'm being honest with you. And sounds like what's it about? I don't know. It's great, but I have no idea. I just don't retain information. If you have been here a long time and I don't remember your name, don't take it personally. I'm being really honest with you. But there's a super, God knows my heart, which came from Him. Any, anything I've got towards God came from Him, just pulling me towards Him. But He knows my heart to be a man of the Word, a man of the truth. He knows my heart to not be swayed this way or that. He knows my heart. So he, from a child, I started to memorize Scripture every week. And by the grace of God, I have so much, much of it memorized. But it's a supernatural thing that has come in response to me saying, God, I want to know. So maybe we need to get hungry and say, God, help me to memorize it, not just to read it and forget it. Ask Him. If you ask anything in His name, He'll do it. And if you're asking Him to help you remember what His Word says, do you think He wants to answer that type of prayer? Sometimes we want Him to answer all the other prayers, but maybe this is the prayer that He really wants to answer. How does your time in God's Word look? Number two, what does your obedience to God's Word look like? In other words, is it conditional? Huh. If he asks me to do this, I'll do it. But if he touches on that, I'm not so sure. Unconditional obedience really is just disobedience. Come on. It's all or nothing. And we're not going to be perfect. But here's the deal. One of the things we're instructed to do is if we miss the mark, we repent. God restores us and we keep on going. So that itself is obedience. Did you hear what I just said? If you miss the mark and you repent, you're obeying. If you disobey and you repent, you're obeying. And your act of obedience turning back to God is much bigger than any of the act of sin when you turn your back on Him. They're not equal. Am I speaking life to anyone right now? But I've done this. Okay, then repent. That's the greatest act of obedience. Turn back towards God and allow. But repentance is not turning back. Repentance literally means a change of the way you're thinking. How does that happen? By the washing of the water by the Word. Remember the time when Bill Johnson said, the blood forgives, but the Word washes. If you're struggling to be, have your mind renewed, it's probably not that you have to keep on repenting. It's probably that you need to do some washing. An hour in the Word just with it on audio and reading it and then it'll wash over you. You might say, but I don't remember it all. That's like saying, I don't know which drops of water in the shower cleans me. I got in the shower. I, I was dirty. I got in the shower. I came out. I got came clean. Well, which one was it? Was it this? I, can't, I just can't recall which drop it was that did the final clean. That's about the same common sense of I'm in the Word and it does me no good. If it's not doing you any good, maybe you need to persist a little longer and let it let the waves wash over you a bit more. How is your time? What does your time in God's Word look like? What does your obedience to God's Word look like? And finally, what does your heart towards God's Word look like? What does your heart 
towards God's word look like? finish writing, I wonder if you just close your eyes just for a moment. A return to God's Word requires a response to God's Word. What does your heart I just feel the Holy Ghost talking to me now, so please I, I pray you close your eyes, avoid distractions right now. What does your heart towards God's Word look like? What does your heart what is your view of God's word? Number one, is it that it's God's word or is that that it's an option, a suggestion? That parts of it are right, parts of it are not. What is your heart towards God's word? You'll never get the fullness of Father's intention out of God's word unless you land in the place that God's word is perfect and God's word is priceless. Maybe that's the return that you need today. Maybe it's not a return. Maybe it's the first time. If that's you, I'm calling you to return. But what is your heart towards God's Word? Is it to debate with others and to win arguments? Because if so, the heart's wrong. You need to return. Interesting When I read the scripture in Psalm 119, verse 11, David writes, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. He does not say I've hidden your word in my heart so that I can debate this and debate that and argue this and win that. No, it's so that I may not sin against you. How's your heart towards God's Word? Have you you continually made excuses and reasons of why you don't spend time in God's Word? And time, we often say to people, hey, if you're struggling, just start with five minutes and ten minutes. I'm not going to dishonor you and say that because I just don't see it as scriptural. I'm calling you to plenty of time, lots of time, excessive time in God's Word. I say, I don't have time for that. Well, if it means watching one less show, if you can watch Netflix for one to two hours or three hours, four, five, six, seven nights a week, then please, please, please don't kid yourself that you don't have time for the Word. It's not about time, it's about priorities. It's not legalism, this is truth. Again, if you're fighting with that, silence that voice right now. Silence that voice right now. There is literally life that flows from God's Word. There is life that flows from God's Word. I mean life that flows from God's Word. So right now, every eye closed in this place. How are you doing with God? How are you doing with His Word?
Maybe there's some in this room, every eye closed that. You're not even in relationship with God. You've never acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that you have, like all of us, have missed the mark of His standards. It's called sin. We've all done it. The Bible says we're, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. But that's when Christ came and died for us. While we were sinners, that's when Jesus died for us. It's the most perfect display of love. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and you confess with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. Not just saved from yourself, saved from eternal separation from God. You might have heard of that as the word hell is just eternal separation from God. But you are saved into life. You're saved into hope. You're saved into peace. You're saved into joy. You're saved into life. And if you've never made that commitment to give your all to the one who gave his all, and today you want to come into that place of living relationship with the God who loves you and wants you to truly be free, I'd be so honored to pray with you if every eye closed. If that's you in this room, I wonder if you could just lift up your hand high so I know who I'm praying for. If there's anyone in this room, thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that heaven celebrates over one, 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 one sinner. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible gives a parable. Jesus said that there's someone who had 100 sheep and one got lost. He left the 99 to go look for the one. That's how much his heart is for people. But there's a devil that wants to destroy everyone. But there's a God who wants to save and love everyone. And it's your love. God bless you. You can put your hand down, sister. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess. Why? Because there's literally power in your tongue. There's literally power in your words. It's time to talk ourselves. Talk to ourselves in a way that honors God and releases life. So I'm going to ask those that put up their hand to pray, but I'm going to ask everybody to pray this with me. And please pray it out loud. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are love and that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to live for us and to die for us, to take the punishment for my sins. I acknowledge that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to make me new. I ask you to come and live in my heart to lead me into the truth. I want to be free in Jesus' name. Father, I release your blessing over these precious people that have put up their hand and responded. And I release your life to them, your grace to them. I declare over your lives right now a new day in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. 
You are now the daughter. You are now the son of your heavenly father in heaven. You are now part of the family of God, which is not a family of perfect people, but it's a family who follow a perfect God and walk together towards Him. I release blessing upon you. Now for every other person in this room, what response does Father want you to make towards His Word? Take 30 seconds right now and respond in your heart. Make a commitment to God. Don't make it vague, make it specific. It might be this week I will sit with Psalm 119 for an hour and just meditate. Or maybe it's I'm actually going to start to spend half an hour in God's Word. Maybe I don't know what it is for you. But Father, I pray you speak to every person and in your heart make a covenant. Maybe for some of you it's right now, I actually just need to realign to embracing God's Word and stop debating it. Take a moment, seal it with the Lord right now. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.